Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus. Y'all excited? Y'all know what today is? Today's Easter. I came ready to preach today. Today we celebrate the goodness of God. Today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. You know why, Johnny? We celebrate Resurrection Sunday all because of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And his son had a name, and his name was Jesus, and he came in the form of a baby. He was born of a virgin. He was placed in a manger, but he grew up and he got out of that manger, and he began to live a blameless life for 33 and a half years. And guess what? He was tried because of a message. He was crucified because of his love. And he was placed in a borrowed tomb because he wouldn't be there long enough to decay. Because on the third day, he overcame death. He overcame hell. He overcame the grave. Good God, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Somebody praise the Lord up in this place. Come on, somebody. I said praise the Lord. I'm going to preach out of my voice. Don't let this jacket fool you. (laughs) Can I get a sip of water? Y'all ready for what the Lord has for you? Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say Resurrection Sunday. Somebody say get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm going I'm to I'm let you be seated because I know some of y'all tomorrow, y'all will be complaining that church made us stand up on our feet for I don't know how long. You're probably right. Here we are in a series called The Resurrected Life. Resurrection. The definition of resurrection means to bring back to life. It means to take something old and bring it back to, to, to brand new status. It, it means to restore something. It means something that you've given up on, God will turn it around. How many of you know Jesus is in the turnaround business? Can I get some help up in this place today? Jesus is in the turnaround business. In fact, Jesus said that I have... I am, in fact, he said this first. He said that I have come so that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. So, Richie, it only stands to reason that he would have to first overcome death in order to give us that life that he's talking about. And then Jesus, he goes on to say, I am the resurrection and the life, meaning I can take those things that you thought would never happen and I can cause them to turn around. I can cause them to begin again anew. I can take that thing that you call dead and I can breathe life back into it and all of a sudden it will turn it's been that way since the very creation of mankind in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and darkness hovered over the face of the deep a problem and the earth was without form a problem darkness hovered over the face of the deep a problem and his spirit hovered over the face of the water so God spoke in the form of a solution and he said let there be light and darkness turned around and turned into light. Y'all gonna get excited up in this place? 
And then when God created man in his image, he took the dust of the earth and he fashioned him. But the Bible says that he was without life until he breathed life into his nostrils. God has the ability to turn things around. Can I give you the title today before I ever give you the text? I know that's a little out of order, but I'm just excited about what God's doing. Can I give you the title before I give you the text? Is that all right? The title is The Turnaround. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, The Turnaround. Somebody look at another neighbor and say, The Turnaround. Turn around and look at your other neighbor and say, Turn around. I ain't looking at you. <laughs> I believe today. God's about to do a turnaround in some of your lives. Something that you've been waiting on for a long time, it's about to turn around. Something you've been praying for for a long time, it's about to turn around. In fact, on that resurrection morning, the enemy thought that he had won and he placed Jesus in a tomb. But on the third day, he turned things around. Good God, has God ever turned anything around for you? If he has, I need you to shout with me today. Come on. Come on. Terry, give me some more monitors so I'll have some voice left in the end if you can. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you out of Luke chapter 24, verses 13. Y'all excited? Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now, let me just say, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to pause, and we're going to do some work. But let me set this thing up for you. Luke writes this passage of Scripture several years after the events unfold, but he writes it and records for us the things that were happening in real time. So what's just happened is the women have gone to the tomb on that first resurrection morning to, to mourn Jesus, but two angels are there, and the angels say, He is risen! Somebody say, He is risen! So they turn around and they run back to the disciples and they tell the disciples that Jesus is not in the tomb. And then this happens in verse 13 and following. It says, now, everybody say now. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. That intrigues me. Certainly, I believe there were things that Jesus did to keep them from recognizing him. However, the spiritual connotation is significant for me. Because how often do we focus on the way when there seems to be no way and we ignore that the way maker's walking right beside of us? How often are we so focused upon the problem that we miss the presence of our king? Johnny, how often are we talking about the situation that we ignore the Savior? So in verse 17, Jesus asked them a question as he's walking alongside them. Keep in mind, he knows them well. They know him well. And so he asked a question, and he doesn't ask the question in order to learn something. He asked the question in order to reveal something. He says this. He said, what are you discussing 
together as you walk along. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have just happened there in these days? Jesus said, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of our companions, they went to the tomb, and just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? This is where our title comes from. It says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Hold on. They've just walked seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, but now they get up and they turn around and they go back in the direction in which they came from. There was a turnaround. They were on the road to Emmaus because they were broken from what just happened in Jerusalem. They didn't understand it. They couldn't wrap their brains around it. It didn't happen the way they thought that it would happen. It didn't happen according to their plan. It didn't happen according to their personal preference. And now they were hopeless and they were on the road to Emmaus when the greatest event just unfolded and Jesus Christ himself was resurrected. Yet they're broken, and they're on the road to Emmaus, but then all of a sudden something happens. They turn around, and their status begins to change. They're going back to the status quo of Emmaus, but then God changes their status. And then in verse 33, it says they got up and they returned at once. And they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together. Verse 34, it says, and saying, it is true the Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now, in some of your translations, this is where it gets good. It says that they returned celebrating. In other words, they left Jerusalem traveling on the road of brokenness and hopelessness. But when God turned things around for them, they went back celebrating. Somebody, you're about to get a turnaround. Look at somebody and say, turn around. It's a turnaround. Now, I need us to pause right here because there's so much happening here. In, in, your, in, in your Bibles, j just pick up your Bibles and look really close, real, real, real close. Right here, here's the title. Here's what Luke 
Here's what Luke says. It says, on the road to Emmaus. Just a simple title. On the road to Emmaus. There's some symbolism there. Christ is there. The narrative is full of spiritual principles, even though it's a story that unfolded 2,000 years ago. Because I truly believe that what is present most in, in this passage of Scripture is this mindset. The mindset is after a major event has unfolded, they're forced down a road. And the road that they're forced down is the status quo road. The road that they're forced down is the road to Emmaus. They've just experienced the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind, but yet because they didn't understand the event, if you will, Colin, they were forced down the road to Emmaus. Now, I need you to understand something. Sometimes we're the same way. There's an event in our lives, and that event forces us down a road. And maybe the road that you're forced down is not called the road to Emmaus. But maybe it's called the confused road. Or maybe it's called the bitter road. Or maybe it's called the messed up road or the aggravated road or the angry road. The unforgiveness road or the insecure road or the overwhelmed road, the, the, the past road, the I don't care road, the, this happened to me road, and I don't understand it road. And you give me a minute, and I'm going to hit the road that you're on. <laughs> maybe it's the divorced road. Maybe it's the addict road. Maybe it's the fear road. Maybe it's the childless road. Maybe it's the failure road. Maybe it's I had a dream road. Maybe it's I had hoped road. Maybe it's everything seems to be lost road. The Bible says that, they said, we had hoped, thank you, we had hoped, we had hoped, meaning past tense, they lost their hope, and now they're traveling on the road to Emmaus. We don't know why they were going to Emmaus, but what we do know is the status of their hearts on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says that as they were going, that their faces were downcast. Their faces were downcast. I, I, I need two volunteers. Richie, you've been voluntold. Colin, you've been voluntold. Come on. Give it up for the voluntolds. <laughs> Y'all come up here. Y'all come over here. Come on over here. Come on over here. Okay. I want y'all to stand right here. Stand right here and turn around and face that way. Okay. The Bible says that their faces were downcast because they didn't understand everything that had happened. They didn't understand the event that just unfolded. It wasn't exactly the way they thought it would be. They had kind of had in their minds that it was going to work out this way, but it didn't work out this way. And as a result, they're on the seven-mile journey back to Emmaus, and their faces are downcast. Your faces are downcast. And then it says Jesus was like a ninja. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
he's all gangster like, like ninja. He just snuck right up on them. They didn't even notice him. They didn't even, look, 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 the Bible says, and as they talked and discussed things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Their faces were downcast. And they were walking. I had to tell the first group about five times, and they were walking. Take, take a left and go on down the steps, and they were walking, and their faces were downcast. you got to look like your face is downcast. Take a left. Jesus is all right up in the middle of their stuff. I mean, and they were walking, and they were walking. And they, come on, take a left, come on, and they were walking. Well, they're just talking about everything that's just unfolded, man. I don't, I don't understand this. And, and do, do you understand it? I don't understand it, man. I just, I, we've given three and a half years, and now nobody knows where this dude's at. What's going on with this Jesus? I mean, what happened? I don't understand. I, I envision this. Do, do you know we gave it all away to follow him? And their faces were downcast. Y'all got to act like y'all are sad. Some of y'all, you just act like you just. I mean, they're kicking rocks. You know what I'm saying? Just. They're angry. Their faces are downcast. Everybody say their faces are downcast. Y'all stop right there. And it says, and Jesus came right up in the middle of them, and they didn't even know it. Now, the spiritual significance there is great, Colin, because certainly Jesus had to put a veil or something over their eyes. I, I don't know. But what I grab from that in my spirit is, how many times are we so focused on our situation that has made our face downcast that we miss God around us? And so they're walking. Y'all don't walk this way because I ain't walking with you. And so they're walking, and this thing is playing out, and they're, they're talking about everything that has just, just unfolded in, in their lives, and it's so obvious that... that, that there's something internal that they're struggling with. Why? Because there's an outward expression of the internal conflict because the Bible says their faces were downcast. Now do you see why worship is so important? Because worship is an outward expression of an inward heart condition that means I'm willing to worship God no matter what situation I find myself in. I, I, I know that that's a different sermon, but... but their faces are downcast. They're on a road that they didn't think they would be on. They don't understand what just happened over in Jerusalem. And, and, and they're just trying to figure things out. And, and listen, as they're having conversation, listen, you will always go wherever your mind goes. That road to Emmaus, you will always go down that road if your mind has already went there. You will go wherever your thoughts go. You will go wherever your conversations go. And then it hit me, they did not recognize him. They had been hanging out with Jesus for three and a half years. Every day hanging out with Jesus. Every day eating with Jesus. Every day fellowshipping with Jesus. Every day walking with Jesus. Every day talking with Jesus. Every night by the campfire, hanging out under the stars. They'd seen Jesus do miracles. Jesus had spoken into their lives. They had told everybody about this Jesus, but in this moment they don't recognize him. They don't recognize him because they're on the road to Emmaus and they're discussing what they don't understand. They don't, they don't realize that, that Jesus is even with them. Do you think sometimes we miss God showing up because he doesn't show up in the certain way that we wanted him to show up? 
Y'all want to hear this? I think sometimes we miss God showing up because we think that he's supposed to show up in a certain way. And and we miss him showing up in that certain way or in the way that he is showing up because he didn't show up according to our personal preference. And so we're on the road to Emmaus and we miss that he's walking with us. Or here's one. We're on the road to the valley of the shadow of death and we ignore the fact that our Savior is with us because we're more focused. Focused on our condition than his position in our lives. And they're on the road to Emmaus, and it's not a comfortable road. Can I tell you something? It's not a comfortable road because everything that just happened in Jerusalem, they don't understand. Not only do they not understand, but now they have so much fear because they think it might even happen to them. The crucifixion might even happen to them. The persecution might even happen to them. And they don't understand it. And they were like, let's go the seven miles, man. I'd rather just walk on this road, this uncomfortable road. I'd rather go back to the status quo because I I just fear the, the, the uncomfortable things that could happen back there. We're always about comfort in our walk. We, we, we think that, that Christ has, has come in order to, to comfort us, and he has. But Christ has also come in order to confront us. And they're on the road to Emmaus. And God gave me this. I want you to hold this, Carla. I, I know this. it's hard for you to read this. Because when God gives me something, man, I'm not a big typer. So I, I, I write, you know, and I, I just write, and I'll scribble stuff out. You see this highlighted spot right here? Okay, it's highlighted in orange. You don't ignore the pink, just the orange, okay? So whenever, I want, don't, just read it to yourself, just those two lines. Don't say it out loud. Just try to decipher what it says. You think you got it? You think you got it? Because when God gives me something, listen, I, I'm just, just flying along, just writing it. So sometimes I'll have abbreviations, and only I'll know what those abbreviations are. There's a lesson in that because God will speak to all of us in different ways. And sometimes it's only you that will understand how God is speaking to you. You got it? What do you think it says? Sometimes we desire uh, for comfort. uh, And it causes us to miss the things that God has given us. Close, close, really close. Sometimes, that's not a we. The first service thought it was a we too. That's a, listen, instead of Y-O-U-R, remember I'm abbreviating, so that's you are. Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things God is doing. Can you say it again? Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things that God is doing. Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things that God is doing. Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things that God is doing. Like you're preaching. Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things that God is doing. Mm. There's an, another disciple there. Two of them are discussing They're on the road to Emmaus. They don't understand it. They can't figure it out. They thought it was going to be one way, but it didn't show up that one way. This line right here. Sometimes you are desired for comfort. 
comfort causes 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 you to miss the new things God is doing. Is doing. Say it again. Sometimes sometimes your desire, your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things God is doing. Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things God is doing. Hold on a second. Read it off that back wall. Sometimes your desire for comfort causes you to miss the new things God is doing. There's some clarity back there that it's greater than what's written there, right? You, you can read that better than you can read that, right? Hold on. A lot. I think sometimes if things aren't perfectly clear for us, we miss it. Good Lord, the Supreme. Sometimes, you know, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, it says, God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. And then he says, do you not perceive it? Why would God say, behold, I'm doing a new thing? It springs up, but then he asks the question, do you not perceive it? Unless we tend to miss the new thing that God is doing. Good Lord, have mercy. This is good. You know why we miss the new thing God is doing? The reason why is because we miss the new thing he's doing because we're still focused on the old thing. There's a pre-resurrection Jesus and there's a post-resurrection Jesus. There's a pre-resurrection story and there's a post-resurrection story. There's a pre-resurrection mindset and there's a post-resurrection mindset. Oh, y'all going to get this. I'm just telling you. And we tend to miss the new thing God is doing because we're holding on to the old thing. It's kind of like Sally. She gets married, and she's young. She's like 21 or 22 years old, and she's about to cook Easter dinner, and she's got the ham, and she pulls the recipe out that was given to her by her mama, and it says cut the ham in half, put it in the pan, and put it in the oven, and she doesn't understand that, so she calls her mama, and she says, Mama, it says cut the ham in half and put it in the pan. And she said, I don't, why does it say, she said, well, honey, your mama, I mean, your grandmama gave it to me. So she calls her grandma, and she says, Grandma, why is it that I need to cut the ham in half and then put it in the pan? Well, my, your great-grandma, sweetheart, she gave it to me. You need to call her and ask her. So she calls great-grandma. Great-grandma, why is it that I have to cut the pan in half and she, or the ham in half? And she said, well, sweetie, the reason why that's in the recipe is because back then I didn't have a pan big enough, so we had to cut the ham in half in order to. Sometimes we're just doing what they did and what they did and what they did and what they did. And the reason why they're doing it is a reason that we don't even have to live by today. Hello. I'm just telling you, this is good. You see, I believe there are some things that we miss in life because it doesn't come according to our personal preference, Colin. It doesn't meet the criteria of the plan that we had already laid out that we want God to bless, and therefore, we're not comfortable with it. And you know what will, um, it just absolutely amazes me. We human beings will go down the road to Emmaus when the resurrection is over in Jerusalem, and we'll walk down the uncomfortable road to Emmaus because we'd rather be in that uncomfort than to deal with the unknown in other words, what I'm trying to say is we humans, we, 
we will stay in situations that are so uncomfortable and we'll stay there so long that we'll forget that they are uncomfortable and we'll just grow complacent in the uncomfortable things all because we don't want to have to deal with the unknown things. Are, are, are you? It's like Moses. Moses, he stayed in the desert for 40 years tending his father-in-law's sheep. All because he had walked down this, this broken road of insecurity. All because of something that happened in his life. He stayed there for 40 years until God came to him and said, Man, you can't give up your destiny. I want you to go now to the Pharaoh and tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. I think about David. David was anointed to be the king, and he has a problem with Saul. And what does David do? David begins to run from cave to cave to cave to cave, and he's about to give up on his destiny. I think about these disciples who have just left Jerusalem, where the greatest thing in all of mankind has just happened, and they're willing to take the road to Emmaus, and they're broken on the road. They're hopeless on the road, but hope has just happened. Wholeness has just happened. Salvation has just happened. Victory has just happened. But they're walking on the road to Emmaus because they don't fully understand it. They can't figure it out. It didn't happen according to their plan. And things there seem to be uncomfortable. Can I tell you something? The longer that you focus on the trial, you'll forget the treasure. I need you to grab that. The longer that you focus on the trial, it will cause you to forget the treasure. Because look at verses 20 and 21. Put them up for me. Verses 20 and 21. Here's what it says. It says, the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They're talking about the trial. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more... It's the third day since all of this has happened. Can, can I tell you something? Sometimes you have to experience things that are uncomfortable in order to experience the comfort that God offers. Sometimes you'll have to walk down the road to Emmaus, and sometimes you'll have to realize that even though you don't understand it, that God is doing a work in you. You see, sometimes you've got to experience the beauty of who He is even when you don't understand what is going on in your life. Sometimes you've got to open up your eyes to Jesus being around you even when you don't feel Him or you don't sense Him, you don't understand things. You've got to take truth and hold on to the truth and to the fact into the faith that Jesus Christ is with you. Can I tell you something? In order for you to experience the life that he has for you, you've got to deal, deal with the lowness of death. In order for you to experience the comfort, you've got to deal with uncomfortable things. In order for you to experience the sunshine, you've got to lift up your face because it cannot be downcast. In order for you to experience what it is God has for you. I, I just, listen, I'm about to prophesy over somebody. Somebody in this place, God 
God is about to do a turnaround in your life. You've given up on some things. You've stopped believing in some things. You've stopped talking about some things. You, God's about to do a turnaround. The same way that he did a turnaround for Moses, the same way that he did a turnaround for David. You know, he turned David around so much so that David wrote the 23rd Psalm. For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. When I can't find him, he turned me around and he calls me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside of quiet waters in the noise of my life. He turned it around. He causes my soul to be restored. Do I have anybody in this place that God has turned some things around? Come on, somebody. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He turns some things around. He anoints my head with oil. He causes my cup to overflow. Good God Almighty. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Somebody say the turnaround. Good God. The turnaround. Y'all don't rush me. Turn around. You know, Richie, Colin, I, I think sometimes we miss the turnaround in our lives. For the same reason why these two disciples missed it to begin with. Because they ignored, they forgot. Or they overlooked the words that Jesus spoke on the cross, the last words that he spoke when he said, it is finished. He didn't say it is over. He said it is finished. It is the Greek word telestai. It actually means the debt has been paid. It actually means that the sentence has been served. It's a military term that actually means the war has been won. Jesus said, tell Telestai, it is finished. Not it's over, it is finished. What he was saying was everything that God has planned in eternity will now happen on earth. And there is nothing that you will go through. There is no enemy in hell. There is no difficulty that will keep you from what God has for you. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was talking about on the third day, he was going to come out of that grave. Listen, can I tell you something? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities and powers, nor things that are to come. So let it happen here on earth just as it is in heaven. Verses 19 and following. I'm wrapping this thing up, I promise. 19 and following. They're having this conversation about what is happening back in Jerusalem. Look, verse 19, it says, what things, he says. They said, he was a prophet, he was powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. Verse 20, the chief priests and all of the rulers, they handed him over, they tried him, they crucified him. Go on, verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem all of Israel. And what is more, this, this is the third day since all of this stuff has happened. In addition, some of our women, they were amazed and, and, and they went to the tomb early this morning, but we didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels and the angels said that he is risen. 
Some of our companions, they went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman said, but they did not see Jesus. Listen, they're talking about still seeing with their eyes. He said to them, how foolish are you? Can you imagine how foolish are you? How slow are you to believe that all the prophets have spoken? This is where it gets good. He says, Go, keep going, keep going, keep going. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and in order to enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he began to explain to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Here's where it gets really good, Deborah. Here's what, what happens. So, so, so Jesus is beginning to take them all the way back to the creation story. And he begins to talk about who the Messiah is, that he's Abraham's gift to the nation, that he is the one who was wrestling with Jacob, that, that he's, the, he's the Passover lamb, he's the lion of Judah. And then he goes through the prophets and the 300 plus prophecies that were given about his coming, and he begins to outline them. Do you see what he's doing? He's beginning to change the conversation. They're no longer talking about the broken place in their life. Now they're talking about who the Messiah is. He's reminding them. Are you with me? He's reminding them who he, he is. I need somebody to hear this. You see, they were about to give up on a dream. They had given three and a half years of their lives for a dream that they thought ended in Jerusalem, and so they were on the road to Emmaus. Listen, I don't know who this is for, but you're about to give up on a dream. Don't give up on a dream. Don't give up on a dream. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, 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 don't do it. You may not have everything that you need. You may not have the support that you need. You may not, your family may be, be telling you that you're crazy. Your friends may say, oh man, you've lost your mind. You may not have enough money. You may not have enough wherewithal. You may not have enough education, but don't give up on it. If God placed it in your heart, don't give up on it. Don't give up on it because you may have to change some friends. You may have to take some classes, but what I know is that if God placed it with inside of you, he'll see it through. Don't give up. That's a turnaround that's on the way. They approach the village, verses 13 through 18. It's amazing to me. They're talking about the way when there seems to be no way. In verses 25 through 30, Jesus is talking about the way maker. <laughs> and their eyes begin to open. In verses 31 and 32, just put 31 and 32 up. I, I'm going to fast forward. 31 and 32, it says... Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Poof. They ask each other, hold on a second, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and, and, and opened up these scriptures to us? In other words, you know what they were saying? They were saying, hold on a second, man. They began to remember everything that Jesus had done. Do you remember when he healed? Do you remember when he healed the dude with leprosy? Do you remember that? They were talking amongst themselves. Their conversation is beginning to change. Do you remember? Do you remember when, when, he, when he healed that guy who was blind? I know it was gross. He spit on the, on the ground and he made some mud. And he, the audacity of Jesus. He put the mud on the dude's eyes. Gross. Do you remember, do you remember when he walked on water and he just he flipped everybody out? I mean, he was just like, whoo, Lord, have mercy. And everybody was like, oh, who is that? You, Jesus. And Peter said, if that's you, then tell me to come. Y'all remember? And then they started laughing probably about Peter. Yeah, you remember Peter almost drowned. <laughs> They're beginning to have this conversation about who Jesus is. 
then it hit me, they're, 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 they're beginning to thank God for all that he's done for them. We're not our hearts burning. They're beginning to thank God. They're beginning to thank God. They're beginning to thank God. They're beginning. How many of you know it's a pretty good thing when we begin to thank God for all that he's done for us? You know, it's a good thing when we thank God for what he's blessed us with, when he, we thank God for what he's done for us, when we thank God for how he's opened doors, when we thank God for how he's done this and how he's done. If God's ever done anything for you, then uh, if he's ever blessed you, if, he's ever, if you've ever felt his love, I want you just to go ahead and give him five seconds of praise up in here. I want you to give him a 2022 resurrection praise up in the house. Come on, somebody. But Darren, let me tell you something, man. I'm going to come back here and preach to you. My ADHD is kicking in, y'all. I need to ignore that. We're really good at praising God for the things that he's given us. But we need to be good at praising God for the things that he stopped. Because you know what? The enemy had a plan, guys. The enemy had a plan to put a stop to Jesus. He had him killed. He had him placed inside of the tomb. But on the third day, guess what? God stopped the plan. Can I tell you something? There are some things in your life that God has stopped. Is there anybody in here that you've been on the road to misery, but God stopped it? You've been on the road to difficulty, but God stopped it. You've been on the road to calamity, but God stopped it. You know why? Because he's about to turn some things around in your life. He'll turn around that difficulty into your destiny. He'll turn around that sorrow into your joy. Come on, somebody. I need everybody, anybody, give God praise. Everybody get up on your feet. Come on. Come on. Somebody say, turn around. Giving you all that I got today. I've preached until I'm sweating like crazy. I'm out of breath. I'm losing my voice. But Jesus gave it all. Jesus gave it all. My prayer today is that the turnaround that you've been looking for, that you've been waiting on, that you've been hoping for, that you've given up on. 